With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Boy, you watch the film and you yep. talk to Coach Izzo. He does a ton. Isn't it the Renaissance man himself? I will now be referred to as the following. Mike Breen, Tim Brando, Dan Schulman, Gus Johnson. You take your pick. I will forever be referred to as one of those those names right there. That's uh that's that's pretty much once you call a college once you're play by play for for a college basketball game. You know, it's a red carpet treatment from here on out. I expect nothing but respect, no no jokes at my expense for the rest of uh, the Shikinik pod. It's what I'm expecting right now. Completely get it. Uh, completely understandable as well as you have pretty much done it all. I don't think there's anything more to accomplish. You've, you've been a studio host. You've been a sideline reporter. You've no. done dugout reporting no. or whatever you did for whatever those broadcasts were back in the Dizay. I don't even know what the FCA and- I don't even know what the NET baseball is. <laughs> I don't even know what the FCS is. Well, there's no doubt uh, about that. So you, you did color analysis, and now you're doing play-by-play, which you sent out the tweet, um, said, hey, you know, want to... <laughs> You said, hey, you know, be nice. Yeah. What was the Twitter? Like, you're essentially disarming everyone by saying, be nice. I'm doing play-by-play, which, let's be honest here, no one was going to watch that game anyway. Oh, come on! But it was a good way for you to get get the attention out there, let people know, not only is Nebraska playing, not only are they going to pick up their fourth conference loss of the year, dare you. But, but you are going to be on the call, literally, on the call and you said, you know, be nice. It's my first play by play deal. Yeah. And, um, I didn't know what to do. I was no, no, it was, your tweet gotta, was fine. Your tweet. I gotta let people no, know. I gotta let people know. I can't assume people know that like, Hey, this guy's usually an analyst. You know, that's why I even on the open to the broadcast, I made sure I asked my producer, I was like, okay, do we want to call attention to the fact that this is my first time doing this. And he was like, yeah, you can slide it in there. We don't got a lot of time. Uh, so we got to get to, you know, the starting lineups and jump ball quick. I was like, all right, because I just wanted the last thing. I just pictured a bunch of Michigan State fans being like, who is this junior varsity, horrifically terrible play-by-play guy? Because I'm not going to lie, when your boy was driving to Pinnacle Bank Arena, I was like, do you have any idea what you're doing? 
And the answer is, I kept telling myself, I was like, I know what it's supposed to sound like. Now, can I, can I do that? I know what, I, I know what this should sound like. Just try to sound like that. And uh, so I was nervous. I was trying to really set the bar low for people. Like, hey, 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 come on. Come on now, right? Help me out. That, that's what we always did on the show. Yeah. Set the bar low, and you will uh, exceed expectations, if not meet them. And so you sent out that, uh, that tweet, and I did tweet out from the Shikinik account. I said, what would be a very simple tribute to the show that Nick Baugh could seamlessly drop into his maiden play-by-play voyage? His maiden play-by-play voyage. And... I, it didn't take you long because I think you quoted that in your open. Happy New Year from snowy Lincoln, Nebraska, where we got some Saturday night Big Ten hoops coming your way right here on the Big Ten Network and inside Pinnacle Bank Arena. It's the Cornhuskers of Nebraska hosting the Spartans of Michigan State. Alongside Sean Morris, I'm Nick Baum making my play-by-play maiden voyage. And tonight, Sean, we got two hungry teams looking for their first conference win. When you look at Michigan State, they're 0-3 in Big Ten play. What are you looking for from the Spartans tonight? I mean, you nailed that open, man. I mean... Oh, I had that written out. That's the one good thing about... About how things are, I had it. I had I had that written out at like three, at like five o'clock before I even went to the arena. And so I just I was wasn't looking at Sean. I had no camera to look at. I'm just reading off my computer. And you know, I I, I felt like you gotta you can't if you if you stumble out the Antonio Gates, you might as well oh. just. Hang it up, oh. you know? That has happened before where especially, like, at least you weren't on camera for that, Man. right? Like, yeah. but I've been on camera before on an initial one of my earlier play-by-plays, and you stumble over one word, and you're like, you know what? I don't even want to do this. <laughs> like, I, I've already stumbled out of the gate. I'd rather not even call the game. Just get uh, up and leave. That's you're the open. truth. Literally, like, uh, hello from the Devaney Sports. <laughs> I mean, Pinnacle Bank Arena. You know what? I don't even want to really want to do this, so I'm out of here. Like that. That's how you it know is. what? I'm, I'm not even a play-by-play guy. I'm, I'm ceiling. I'm not even a play-by-play guy. Okay. I just that. I just thought there was. I last last night. Alongside Sean Morris, I'm Nick Bob making my play-by-play maiden voyage. <laughs> I mean, yes, you gotta let play-by-play. people know. Did you get, did you like that from the tweet? I when did. you said maiden play by play voice, I'm like, yes, that's our shout out. See, that's that's what we're doing. I was like, if I'm gonna, because I was like, okay, that's perfect. That's a perfect way to phrase it. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it gets the nod. It gets like, because I didn't want to get late in the game and be like, Rocket Watts, big giant wreck. I mean, <laughs> and one, you know, like, you, you, you know. I, I had to get it out of the gate, get it out of the way, so that I could just focus on making sure that it wasn't a total, total train wreck. Well, that was a, that was very well done because as soon as you said that, I'm like, you know what? That was really smart. He got the chicken Nick reference out of the way, which was very subtle because if you didn't see that tweet, right. you had no idea it was a shout-out. But for those who are followers, maybe they appreciated it. Yeah. Well, I mean, my stress level was high. I bet. I mean, I got man, the call. I, yeah, let's get let's walk through this here for those who don't know, and we're you know twenty eight minutes in here and haven't explained exactly what we're talking. <laughs> You're about. Like what what game is this? What uh, podcast? Am I so um, Saturday night, you called the Nebraska Michigan State game at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Mm-hmm. 
Wait, is it pinnacle or pinnacle? Pinnacle. <laughs> is it Pam? Are you saying pinnacle or pinnacle? I should have started with that. Inside, wait a minute. Is it is it pinnacle or pinnacle? Do you think they'd have taken me off right away? I mean, do I make it to the first four minutes? You're welcome in and you're asking how to pronounce the area. Where we got some Saturday night Big Ten hoops coming your way right here on the Big Ten Network and inside Pinnacle Bank Arena. You did say Pinnacle. I love it. I mean, it's Pinnacle all the time. Hey, come it's on, you know? Um, but I, that's Pinnacle, Pinnacle. Pinnacle. <laughs> Who cares, you know? Who gives a crap? Are you saying pan or pam? <laughs> so you called the game Saturday night on uh, BTN, and you did a you did a really good job. It was a great job. I got no, you did. Thank you. I, I I watched the whole game. I felt like I was back on Chicken Nick show when you're calling NET, and I'm taking notes. But unlike back at NET, there wasn't really a lot to take notes of because. You really did a good job of, of of staying in your lane. You didn't try to do too much. Like you didn't over, you didn't go over your skis a little bit. Like I was disappointed that you didn't give me anything, but it was just a very smooth performance that drew praise from uh, coast to coast. I mean, yeah. Brand, the voice of Madden is yeah. Brandon Godden is. Uh, you know what he said. You know what he said? His tweet was, "That was a fantastic play by play, and one that I have yet to hear in all my years of broadcasting." I think that is a fantastic question and one that I have yet to be asked in all these interviews. That that had to make you feel good when he when he tweeted that out. I mean, listen, not only is it a, a compliment, but it is a tribute to a random interview he did ten years ago. So it that was he just, still doesn't that yeah, he still, still doesn't, doesn't understand. So yeah, I mean, when I, did you get the call on yeah. Saturday? Because you're probably what just hanging around. You're going to just have a weekend to yourself, right? Yes. Weekend to you and your family. Yes, uh, Mava and Mac and and Kim and. You know, you're gonna cook dinner. You're gonna take them on a night on the town. This is this is your treat to them, and then boom, what happened? Yeah, exactly. I was playing. I'm like, okay, we got a full weekend at home. You know, Creighton's playing at 11 o'clock. We got a good slate of hoops. I'll relax, spend time with the fam, get some 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 basketball in. Phone rings at 10 o'clock, and it's the coordinating producer for for the Big Ten Network. And I'm like, okay, this. I mean, I knew Nebraska was playing that night, so I was like, okay, is, did Sean Morris not make it to the game? You know, and comes on and says, hey, we we have a void in the play-by-play chair. Would you – he was like, I, I view you as, yes, you're an analyst, but I think you're a broadcaster, and I think you could do this. Are you willing to do this? And I was like – Yes. Cue up Matt Day. Cue up Matt Davidson. I said, well, let me hold Let me put you on hold, Alex, and I will uh, pass you through to Matt Davidson here, and he'll answer that question for you. Yes. <laughs> so I, I accept at 10 o'clock, and the game is at 7 p.m. So 10 a.m., game's at 7 p.m. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so now luckily – Luckily, obviously, I'm familiar with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And you, you called Michigan State. And I, I mean, called this Michigan is, State. Yeah. You know how it is, Matt. Like, if this would have been 
even though I've I've watched Rutgers on TV before, it's way different if you just watch a team than if you prepare for a team and call them call a game that they are in. Like you then know all the backstories, you know the players, all that. So it was huge that this was Michigan State and not you know roast beef state. I'd have been like, hey boy, roast beef state, huh? I don't know about roast beef steak. I don't know. I'm going to have to uh, butter up on my prep here and figure out, <laughs> figure out here. So, so I, I, wow. I accept it and immediately am just, I'm not going to lie. I tried to put on, you know, like Kim was like, so can you do this? I was like, oh, yeah, I can do this. But inside I was like, no, you can't. You don't, you, I don't think you can do this. I was like, yeah, yeah, just shut up. Shut up. You can do it. So, you know, I get my prep game right and I'm doing all this stuff and, and I'm trying to figure out what you had texted me, which was great advice, was like, hey, listen, you know, be the play-by-play guy, but, like, be an analyst, too. I, something that ESPN, I think, does a nice job of with their college basketball is they have Dalen Cuff, who's an analyst. He'll also host a little bit, and it, it, and, but he still is an analyst. So, I was, so I'm trying to, like, because what I didn't want to do is, like, okay, just pretend that I'm Gus Johnson or pretend right. to be – someone else you know right. so pretend I try to be you like, don't know as much about basketball as you do right, right. be like play-by-play guys where it's like you're you might know something but you're always asking questions why did they do this why did they do that when you know the answer when you're an analyst that's a little tougher to pull off because people are like wait a second you should know this and people could say he doesn't know that right. like he played right so what i was what i would try any of my analyst stuff i would try to like interject it in a way that allowed sean to like build on it you know what I mean? Like, so it was it was play by play banter, but it was it was analysis. You know, it'd be like, hey, you know, hey, Sean, Michigan State when they're playing through the post, they get doubled. They seem to be getting great shots, you know, and that kind of a thing. But so yeah, so I mean, I uh, I spent all afternoon whizzing my pants, <laughs> freaking out, <laughs> prepping, and uh, and it. Luckily, I felt like all things considered. Things went pretty well. Be- Most importantly, the Big Ten Network was pleased with how the game went. Um, yeah, and it was fun, man. It was. It's. I tell you what. My analogy to it was is I, I've, I've used this analogy way too much, but you, you know when you sit shotgun in your own car and your car looks way different, you're like this. So this is what it's like from a foot away from the chair. Like everything looks different. It feels different, right? Like. That's what it felt like for me. It was like all I did was move over one chair to it, and, and it which everything was totally different. The lens at which you view the game, the lens at which you prepare for the game, all changes. And I hope, like in the in the long run, this like makes me a better analyst because I feel like I can I know now what they need a little bit. Uh, which, by the way, Sean Morris was great. Sean was really easy to work. I, that's the first time I ever met Sean, too. So that was oh, really? also wow. like, you know, shotgun marriage. Here we go. Let's get married on top of a Pinnacle Bank Arena mountain. <laughs> Veronica and I are going to get married on top of a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Morris and I are going to get married on top of Pinnacle Bank Arena mountain. Veronica and I are going to get married on top of a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I was awful at though besides play by play yeah aside from the play by play and doing TV what were you bad at 
So what I was terrible at was I don't think I ever said who the foul was on one time. Like, and foul Michigan State. And I just would, like, move on. I never I, – I very rarely gave who the foul was on, what the call was, how many – fouls such uh, unless when Teddy Allen got into foul trouble or that man got into foul trouble like something big like that but man I was struggling with that the the beauty of being a color analyst is you can just digest it think about what you want to say even if it's for a second or two and then put it out there like you you rely on the play-by-play guy to tell you who did what to who or to what or what number or what guy or what number foul. And then you can take that into account and go, okay, now I'm going to formulate my thought and do that where you're the play-by-play guy. And it's like, okay, I better know that number 12 is that guy. Number 15 is that guy. The bald-headed guy is that guy. The guy with hair is that guy. Because, you know, if you misidentify a guy or if you call a foul on the wrong guy, then you can set your color analyst up poorly or he's got to correct you. And then you're like, all right, yes. all right, I'm out of here. I'm, That's I'm it for me. This, you know? I don't even want to call this game anymore. But, yeah, that was that was hard because you realize as an analyst, you don't have to – you don't got to worry about that stuff because in, in a lot of ways you can analyze whatever you want. You don't even have to acknowledge what the who and the what was. You're there to say the why and the how. And right. so I, I was I was struggling with that. Like, I, I – I kept telling myself, come on, you can, like, say who the freaking foul was on. Like, for whatever reason, like, when a foul would happen, I was like, all right, it was a foul. Sean, your thoughts on that, what just happened. But you know what? You know what is exhilarating is calling a breakaway dunk. Calling a dunk, nailing a dunk is, is, like, I mean, I thought I liked basketball, but I realized I liked basketball even in a different way. <laughs> okay, all right. This is getting disgusting now. So let's – so there were a couple here that – and people are like, well, okay, just play the clips. Would you play the clips? I've got a couple of clips. <laughs> right? I've got a couple of clips. Um, one – you had a couple of different <laughs> – a couple of different dunk calls. Did I? Now <laughs> – Now, this one is like I could imagine as he's as this guy's about to dunk the ball, you've got your foot up with a with a cocktail in your lap and you're just here to, you know, you might catch the game, you might not, but you're just here to count your money and to drink a cocktail as this guy's going to dunk at home. Here we go. Quick back in transition, getting organized. Nebraska's not gotten very many opportunities in the open floor. Turnover. Here comes Gabe Brown. It's showtime. <laughs> that was a mo- <laughs> that was a listen. I've called two thousand four hundred ninety-seven <laughs> games in my career. You think one breakaway dunk impresses me? Come on, man. Is that, is that your Randy Moss? I don't know who <laughs> that, is. that is. Carter? That is the veteran guy that just is not really impressed with any of this. Listen, man, I saw Julius Irving dunk the ball in the Eastern Conference Finals. You think I'm impressed with this? Come on, man. Turnover. Here comes Gabe Brown. It's showtime. Like that's the time where the player, they the gym is so empty that you can hear the guy yelling to the Raptors as he does, and you're just like, it's showtime here, you know, whatever. Turnover. Here comes Gabe Brown. It's showtime. Turnover. Here comes Gabe Brown. It's 
comes Gabe Brown. It's showtime. <laughs> so you had that one. Okay. That was good. Uh, and then you had, let's see here. <laughs> here's a, uh, let's see. Here, oh, here's a uh, McGowan. You ready for this one? Oh, yeah. Get there didn't do much. Boy, you watch the film and you yep. talk to Coach Izzo. He does a ton. Okay, so you got up there with the and the flush. You know, I growl a lot. Yeah. My growling's kind of my thing. You, you got into that. Like you were like, you know, you. Okay. Oh. Now the other part of this is Sean. Sean didn't let it breathe, right? No. Like Sean. Sean's got to lay out here a little bit. I was a little disappointed. Okay, so he jumped in, and then the more I thought about it, though, it's like, where are you to complain for him not laying out for you and talking kind of over your call? Wood Fox lost the ball. Shot on the way. Is- oh! Oh! It's good. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> You've come a long way, baby. You, uh... You went from screaming over a play-by-play guy's call to being somewhat bothered that your color analyst did not lay out for you. Come on, Sean. What do you think this is? Booker Woodfox in the quarterfinals of the Valley Tournament? Let Woodfox it lost the ball. Shot on the way. Is- oh! It's good. Man, I haven't heard that in a long time. Uh, I lost my brings, I lost my just, mind. <laughs> on the way is oh, Wow. It just sound, I think when we did that when we did that on the old Chicken Nick show, we talked about how it just sounded like voices from hell swallowing up souls. On the way is oh, I mean What oh my god. If you just isolated that one thing, you would be like, is this person in, is it joy? Is it pain? Is it terror? What's going on here? It's brutal. That an out-of-body experience. Man, I've come a long ways with that. You have done You have come a long way. So you had that. That was good. The flush. That was a good one. Uh, just, the only other thing I cut out here, uh, and we'll play this here, uh, was, do you remember? You remember, uh, you remember Fantasia? You remember, you remember that game you called there? What was that? Oakland, Michigan State. <laughs> so this was you. One of the great things about being a play-by-play guy or being a you know, nerdy sports anchor like myself is that you're always looking for ways to use words and have plays on words, right? Yeah. You're always trying to do that. Like it's segues like this and that or this and that. You did this here. Did it work? Uh, at halftime. Let's do it. A half for Aaron Henry and company, but... Boy, Rocket Watts almost got the bank shot in Pinnacle Bank Arena. <laughs> okay. I, 
I mean, that's gonna. That's like. Eh. <laughs> you tried it though. You tried it. Almost got the bank shot at Pinnacle Bank Arena. I, in my head, I like, was like, "How do you bank what you, and bank? What, what should I have done? What would have been the?" Because in my head, I was like, "My brain was like, all right, file bank, segways, <laughs> bank and Pinnacle Bank, I'm like hey, bank and Pinnacle Bank, yeah, hey, bail bank and Pinnacle Bank." <laughs> <laughs> Or do the Wheel of Fortune before and after. You almost got the pinnacle bank in shot. Huh? <laughs> be like, be like, um, like someone gets hit really hard during a Nebraska game. They almost got he hit hard. They almost had to set up a memorial at Memorial <laughs> Stadium. Boy, Rocket Watts almost got the bank shot in Pinnacle Bank Arena. You could hear, you could hear my brain like, you could hear it like, I got nothing, man. I'm like, bank and bank. (laughs) And he was there to help you out, though. The bank shot in Pinnacle Bank Arena. Yeah, he did. Thank you, Sean. He did. Sean, Sean, he had my back on that one. There's no question. He did. He did. He did. He was there. He was. He's such a nice guy. Yeah, I mean, he was there he's helping. A tremendous human. He was. He was. He knew his role, uh, but he let you play your role. He let you be a color analyst, and it was. It was good. I thought you guys worked well together. <laughs> I, I thought you really, well. I really, did. really hit it out of the hit it out of the park. Yeah. I mean, you. You know, after that, you cashed your check at a bank after your game at Pinnacle Bank Arena. The bank shot in Pinnacle Bank Arena. It's like, what is it? The Austin Powers. Like, allow myself to introduce myself. The bank shot in Pinnacle Bank Arena. Like, I not even like, like Cohen could have come up with that. Cohen would have come up with something better than that. I don't think I mean, so. Sheesh. I don't think so. Um, oh God, it was bad. We had. Uh, no, that was it was great. You're here here's in all seriousness here, and there's a lot of things we could talk about. I don't you know, we won't have too long of a pod tonight. We say that every every <laughs> night every two hours later we're wrapping up. But I do believe because I in that text I sent you, I said, Look, we have like here at ESPN, we've got Dallin Cuff and Jordan Cornette. They both work for ACC Network, but oftentimes you'll see them both like on ESPN or ESPN two during halftime. And they're both on the set, and there's no, quote, host, right? They're yeah. both analysts. And, I I mean, you could – there are some times where I watch them and I go, why do we need hosts? Why do we need people like me? If you could do both of those things, I'm not saying that you could, you know, you just do the halftime all by yourself. But in reality, like, like people like me, people like Mike Hall, Kevin Connors, like whoever – I'm not. I'm not trying to make this huge announcement that we are replaceable, but well, it's. But in some respects, if you can give the analysis and tee yourself up in a way that you're kind of just talking over the highlights or giving your opinions, it's almost like a talk show. Yeah. Right. Halftime becomes almost like a talk show. But but the point being, like when you got Cornette and and Cuff doing it, those guys are two analysts doing it uh doing the the halftime analysis together one guy's teeing up the other but they're they're talking ball together yeah and it's almost like sometimes the host gets in the way of two guys that talk ball like whether it's sean farnham and seth greenberg they could just be on the set together with no host and they could pull that off and you'd be like yep that that makes that makes sense so i think tv games too you could have a couple of guys who 
you know, a couple of guys talking shop, talking the game, almost like a film room session during the game on TV because, frankly, you know, play-by-play guys, I mean, we can see what's happening, and you guys understand the game better than play-by-play guys. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Like, I, I think you, we can point out isolated situations where that could work. Right. But, okay, 95, 98, 99% of the time, that situation doesn't work. Like, for instance, it's inside the NBA, the best studio show right. basically of all time. I'm sorry. For as much as I love Chuck and Kenny and Shaq, you take Ernie out of there, right, and it's, right. it doesn't work as well. It just it, – it doesn't. It, you would think, like, oh, they could just – you know, they, 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 Kenny could just welcome them back and get it. It's like, eh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, really Re- Reese Davis needs to be on game day. Right? There, there are shows where there are guys, and especially the recognizable guys, that, that need to be there. But there are some where if it's like, well, I could take that guy or leave him or her, or leave her. Away. I mean, whoever it is, you could, you could just see it. I, I don't. I'm not saying it's heading that way. No, I know what you're saying though. But but when I watched you do the game last night, you know, you did a good job. And I think there are a lot of other color analysts that if they attempted to do it, could do it um, in a pinch. Now, do they want to do it is another thing. But you know, we've always done it this way, right? Play-by-play guy, color analyst. Guy tells you what's happening, and then the guy that tells you the why. What if you had two guys that kind of told you the why, and they're kind of doing – that's why sometimes the – like inside the NBA works well because you have, you have the give and take, right. right, with two guys on the set, where when it's one color analyst, he's like the lone voice who believes this, there's no disagreement, there's no this, there's no that. That's why we always like the three-man booth in Monday Night Football. That was always the tradition where you'd have a couple of guys – you know, going back and forth, you know, Frank Gifford and um, whatever their names were when they <laughs> did the game back in the day. But, um, but yeah, it, it just got me thinking about just the nature of broadcasting. And you saw what Kirk Herbstreet was able to do with his yep. national semifinal game, and he's calling that from home. And, you know, the business is changing so much that you could easily see a time where 95% of games are called with not without being at the arena, and I don't think many people would care about it. I agree. I, I, I do think on some level the broadcast suffers if the announcers aren't there. But again, we've talked before, does it suffer enough to where the average fan is upset about – the broadcast enough to where they were they would not watch the game otherwise. Yeah, right? I think fans are over it. I remember at ESPN, like when we first started doing these remote integration broadcast, where we're like, okay, let's try and save some money here, and let's we're going to do it from this studio inside our studio in Charlotte or in Bristol, but we wouldn't go out of our way. We wouldn't say we weren't there. We wouldn't say we were there, but we wouldn't say we weren't there. Right. Um, and I remember some coaches, you know, we do a coach's call and I talk to some play-by-play guys who would do a coach's call a day before to talk to the coach. And the coach would be like, there was one coach in particular, I won't say who it was, uh, coaches in the Big 12 now. But he, when he found out we weren't going to be there, he's like, all right, guys, I don't, I don't have time. And, and hung up because he was upset that the announcers weren't going to be there. Right. This was like th- three or four years ago. Right. Things have changed so much, pandemic and otherwise, that I think people just get it and I think they're okay with it. And yeah, does the broadcast suffer a little bit? But man, the expenses you save—there's no doubt about and that. And the 
I mean, the hotels, the flights, all that for the broadcast, and, and so much more of the crew that have to be in the booth with the announcers. I don't know. I mean, I the selfish part of me likes this new way because I don't I don't have to get into it go to an airport. Yeah. But I think the less the less air travel, the better, and the, the fewer expenses, the better. Obviously, in this day and age. Well, yeah, I think I think the one thing the this the pandemic has done is it's caused us to look at everything and go, do we? Yeah. Do we really need to do it like this? Do okay. Do just like I mean, you and I right now, we're on a Zoom. Like a year ago, people I think if someone would have said, do you know what a Zoom Zoom meeting is? They're like, oh yeah, I know what that is. But like, no one now that's like commonplace, right? That's a it's common what people do it and. So there's so many meetings. Okay, do we need to, do we need to physically go drive to an office space and get together, or can we just Zoom? Okay, can this can this point of business be dealt with via email, or do we need to get together? Like, and I think the same thing is true for broadcasting. Like, I think everything is getting slid under the under the hood, or we're, we're looking under the hood of everything, going, okay, do we need to? We can maybe do this different. We may do that different. And yeah, I, I think the whole because yeah, I thought a lot about after after doing play-by-play and doing a little bit of analysis while I was doing it, I'm like, you know, I am surprised at how unexperimental, if that's even a word, we are with the with the format of how we call a game. You know, like, for as long as we can remember, it's always been like, okay, we have the play-by-play guy and the analyst, and that's it. And so, you know, I, I was thinking like, well, okay, maybe why couldn't – I mean, I don't – I just because I was able to, you know – limp my th- way through one game let's not get crazy here but like I, I was thinking to myself like why couldn't I put put me with Jim Jackson put me with put right. me with Jim right. it, Creighton Villanova it's me and Jim Jackson and yeah I'm technically going to handle the the I'll, I'll drive the car and get us in and out of things but once we get going hey let's just analyze the game a little bit right and and I I don't know I I, I wonder how much the fans need someone telling them the, the the who and the what and and those kinds of things or or if they just want hey tell me tell me analyze the game I don't know I think that's the problem is I think yeah. yes 100 fans they might give you 100 different answers yeah I think it depends on the voice depends on maybe who's calling the game but also there's so many graphics now on your TV that you can find the information very easily right it t- they tell you who made the basket. They'll zoom in on the guy who made it. They'll show you on a graphic, okay, here's how many points he has right now. Here's who the fouls are. You know, it's funny. I was watching the Masters this past year, and I accidentally hit the feed online with no announcers. And I watched it for about 10 minutes. And it took me a couple minutes to realize, oh, oh there's no announcers. And after 10 minutes, I realized I like this. Right. Because it had the graphics, it showed you what hole they were on, it showed you the leaderboard, and I didn't need anybody to tell me because right. I'm a sports fan and right. I can figure it out. Now, granted, I think announcers do add a lot to yeah, the game. Yeah, I don't want. Let's not get crazy, you know, the, you know. Yeah, I mean, let's not say we don't need announcers at all. But I'm just saying it's there are times like, for instance, if they said, "Hey, we don't have anybody to call this game tonight. There's no one available." Would they not air the game because they have no broadcasters? Right. I mean, they'd still I, air the game. Why not? Right. Air the air the game and say we don't have broadcasters. You have the graphics, you have this, and you know what? 
the broadcast would probably suffer. But I just think there's just new ways of thinking about things where you go, you know what? We can't get announcers there. Let's just show the game anyway. And here it is. Because we have on the game cast for the national championship, we have the, the, the sky cam and all this and the, you know, the natural feed of the Nat sound. And you want to feel like you're at the game. Here's your natural feed. Yeah. I, I, I think that's the beauty of ESPN's kind of mega cast that they do for the national championship where you can get a lot of different versions of it, and they're all valuable in their own little way. But I also don't want to get crazy and, like, for for instance, when Bo and I were doing the little Husker Classic recaps, Brent Musburger made the 97 Missouri game way better. He did. Like, I don't care. Like, he, it was an unbelievable game, but his call, and even it was, he was awesome the whole game in rewatching it. Like, it makes a difference. It does. And so, and then I, like, for me, I, there are certain, certain analysts that I do really like. I, I, Tony Romo, I learn. I'm like, well, okay, I, I, I didn't know that's what they're working on with that motion. Or, you know, Jeff Van Gundy will point out something in the NBA Finals. I'm like, that's an interesting interesting point I hadn't thought about. So it's just I think there are pros and cons to every way you do it. But the one thing you brought up about, like, anymore with our phones and different things, we can get stats just like that. And I remember that was the one somehow early in my career I called, like, three or four games with Dick Stockton, like – the legendary Dick Stockton. And the one bit of advice he gave me was, he was like, as an analyst, if all you do is give me numbers, you're worthless. Mm -hmm. He was like, you are worthless. His his line was, I could get my mom to sit here with a headset on and and tell me that so-and-so is shooting 40% from three. So um, this was like before. So then I felt some pressure to be like, okay, I better not give a single number for the entire game. But, <laughs> but it's kind of true. Like anymore, who hasn't been watching a game and been like, man, what, what are they from three or, or a football game? Like how many penalties do they have? You can get that like that now. And so things are evolving. Things are changing. I, I, I do totally understand what you're saying on like, and I thought about it when I was driving home from the game last night, like, Man, why why couldn't I be with another analyst and do more games like this? But at the same time, Gus Johnson makes big moments sound better. And Dan Schulman makes big moments sound better. And Kevin Kugler makes big moments sound better. Like there everybody has their own role to play. And I think everybody also from a fan standpoint, they want they want certain things. There's some people that love Bill Walton. There's some people that can't stand Bill Walton, right? Like, there's right. some people that love Gus Johnson. There's some people that don't like Gus Johnson. Like, it, it's a subjective business. It's a subjective viewing experience. But I, but to your point, though, to put a bow on it, like, I am sometimes surprised. It took me doing the, the, the game as a play-by-play guy to be like, why haven't we ever tried to, like, just switch things up a little bit with the structure of, of how we've done things and, and, and change it up? Yeah, the one thing that we'll do is, hey, we're going to have our college guys call NBA and our NBA calls college. And it's like, all right, well, okay. that's cool. That's right. good to have different faces there and right. do that. But what about, what about, yeah, a game with no play-by-play or whatever? I mean, it's, it's just it's interesting to think about. And I, I, I always think the biggest games will always have people there. But, you know, 
the token game in Tulsa or something that's just lower. And you go, hey, we're not we're just going to save some money here. We're just going to televise this game with no broadcast. I mean, I don't know. It's just things to to think about when you think about the future of broadcasting because we can access, like you said, the information well, that a lot of people would be presented. I, well, and it, even information aside, because of COVID, there are massive restrictions on My brother's the head coach at Lincoln Southwest now. And because they're only allowing, I think, immediate family, and that's it at the games, they've provided a YouTube, a YouTube s- stream of right. the game. And so I've been able to sit and watch my brother's games just streamed, obviously with no announcers. And you know what? It's fine. Like, it's, it's fine. You can hear the PA. I hear, I hear the right? PA. I see they got a score bug the in the fouls. corner so I can right. see what the score is, right? Like, it's, it's fine. So I, I don't know. It'll be it, – it, I do think there's a part of me that is, you know, like you said, there's, you know, the, hey, man, less air travel, that'd be good. You could be home with the kids more. But then I also get scared of, like, man, if they if – they, there's a scenario in this where this isn't good for guys like me and you, but we'll, we'll cross yeah. that bridge. Yeah, I'm, I'm bringing up ideas of ways to keep me out of a job. Like, I know, that's I know, the I, bad I, thing about what I'm, what I'm saying here. Um, I, I did want to say this, too, that um, someone said <laughs> – I had I asked on Twitter, hey, can you caption this picture? Because someone that. had tweeted a great yeah. picture of you and Sean Moore. It's like, this is a professional photographer who tweeted this out. And so I put it at the uh, tweeted out on the Chicken Nick <laughs> account. <laughs> and then someone, uh, Sarah, who's a longtime listener to the show, she said the caption should be <laughs> what another media timeout? We'll take one along with them, and I'm fed up. This is Big Red Basketball. Calling a TV timeout here after a turnover. Are you kidding me? You do not call timeouts after a change of a quick change like this. It happens to Nebraska all the time. This is wrong, people. Wrong. 7.35 left in the game. Yep. We're taking one as well. I'm fed up. This is Big Red Football. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Yes, yes. Um, by the way, I did feel your pain a little bit because there is something about, oh, now you've got this game. Instead of no game, you've got this game. I was supposed to call a game uh, this Monday night. So tonight, if you're listening to this on, on Monday the 4th, uh, UNC Asheville hosting Presbyterian. And it's the Big South package, and I love the Big South because I can drive to all these games, and they're so close. They're within two hours, and they say, hey, give oh, me awesome. these games. Right. Get one a week, and it's awesome. And I was supposed to call this game Monday night on ESPNU. And then we got the call Saturday night. And I prepped. My boards are done because I just wanted to get ahead of the game. And uh, Saturday night, get the call. Hey, they've had COVID issues at Presbyterian. I believe it's Presbyterian that they've had those. Um, And they said, hey, we're not going to do that game. Can you get up to Radford? Radford hosting Hampton at Radford. And, you know, two and a half hours to get to Asheville, three hours to get to Radford. Yeah, I can do it. Paul Biancardi was supposed to be on the call with me Monday night at Asheville. And he was already in Asheville with his wife, going to take a two-day kind of trip yeah, with yeah. it. And then I call him. I'm like, He's like, well, I got Clemson Tuesday morning, so I can't do the game. I can't drive north and then drive further south for that game, Clemson. So long story short, he's not doing that game with me Monday. I've got Dan Bonner Monday night, who's nice. legendary, has yeah. done a ton of games. He's yeah. great. I did a Duke Wake Forest game with him last year. Loved, loved working with him. But the point being, you're prepping for your game, and then boom, now you've got two other teams. And so that took my Sunday afternoon of prep. I'm like, okay, sorry, I can't do this with the kids or that because i got to just get ready for this game. Yeah. And that's what COVID is. It's yeah. like, sorry, this game is out. This game is in. Can you do it? It's tomorrow night. 
And you have to say yes. Right. You, you absolutely have to say yes. It's been yeah. frustrating. Like, when losing games and, and – losing games, period, is frustrating, but it's even more frustrating when you've, when you've completely prepped for a team, you know. And so it's uh, – yeah, it's been – I've lost five games, I think. I've had five games straight up canceled. And, it, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's no fun. It is. It is no fun. You know what else is no fun? Speaking of the way things are are done right now, um, I know you saw this. This was one of the great uh, moments in broadcasting. It's a really good game. Or Trevor needs to shave his stash. Please, please mute. If you're not speaking. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> okay, that was uh, Trevor Lawrence after the game on a Zoom, and again. These post-game zooms are great because you don't have to go to the game and you have access. You have the media Isn't access it? again. Think about ways that we are going to be doing life from now on. Sending reporters to games when they can interview the same people. You're not getting these exclusive one-on-ones in the hallway. And if you are, you can get them on the phone. If watching it at home, so Trevor Lawrence is doing this zoom to who knows how many reporters. And I don't know why they they made the reporters mute themselves instead of a mute all by the moderator. Right. But a girl, a lady, has her has her mic open and says, a "Really good game." Or Trevor needs to shave his stash. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? Trevor Lawrence handled it really well. Like no, he he did. just he took it in stride. But what a moment! You know, after a, a big semifinal game, one of the most noteworthy college quarterbacks of the last decade, and this happens in the final press conference. Game. Poor Trevor needs to shave his stash. <laughs> and he's got hair down to his knees, and you're talking about his mustache? Yeah, All right, come on, get it. Let's figure out where we're, you know, what needs to get, you know, what lettuce needs to get cut here. Can I say this, though? Yeah. I, and it's not because I'm now like a, you know, a Big Ten, like I'm all for one, for all, all for one Big Ten. You work for the Big Ten Network now. You're a play-by-play analyst. (laughs) You have to always stick up for the Big Ten. But you, uh, no, you and the Big Ten are going to get married on top of a mountain. Veronica and I are going to get married on top of a mountain. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much true. But that doesn't have anything to do with this. I just loved that Dabo Sweeney ranked Ohio State 11th, and he got it shoved right up his you-know-what. I'm sorry. I love it. I love it. And he can, after the game, play like, I didn't think that was a big deal. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? They – I guarantee you, again, you saw all the tweets afterwards from the players, all that stuff. All week, you, I guarantee you, Ryan Day, all, the moment he saw that, he was like, oh, wow, okay. And all week he said, this, this, this dude thinks you guys aren't even in the conversation of being worthy of being on the field with us. Like, I am not going to lie, I was watching that game smiling ear to ear because I just love it when people get it, get what they got coming to them with some stupid stuff. Yeah. I, um, 
there the the downplaying of that of saying hey i don't think it played any role in this you know especially as a coach a coach knows that co- other coaches and you yourself are always looking for things to motivate your team nick saban has been known to make up things that have been said which work cuz who says anything bad about alabama but there have been guys who have said things, he, and they he will they will be printed out. A sports information person will say, "Hey, bring this to his attention," or a director of ops, and pr- and print it up on the locker room to make sure everyone sees it. So this is the rare instance of a coach providing bulletin board material for another coach. Yes, that never happens. It's always media. It's always maybe a player said something predicting they're going to win. It's never the head coach. And the mistake was he he probably didn't believe or didn't think or was hopeful he wouldn't play Ohio State. Yeah. Because you would have to be really intellectually inept to, to do that knowing you're going to play them, right? Right. Like, if you know I'm going to play them and I'm ranking 11th, you either believe that your team is so far superior it doesn't matter or you don't have a clue about what you're doing. Totally agree. And so so that to me was he must have just thought that Ohio State was either going to stay at four or, or that maybe there was a part in his head who just thought it just wasn't a big deal and I'm just going to stand up for those that have played a lot of games. I just don't know how you put that on paper – and then you don't go to the next step like chess, right? Yeah. You have to see five moves ahead when you're moving your, che- your, your chess piece. And to not see how that would be used, even in the off chance you play them, which was likely going to yes. happen, to me was unbelievable. I'm not saying, and I'm with you, I don't think it's the reason that they won the game. Right. But games are won during the week, and what do you think was being used during the week? That and that only. Totally, 100% agree. And that's why I was telling, you know, we did a little pick'em thing with my family, my dad and my mom and my brother and, our, and you know, my brother's kids, so we had some fun picking them. And I was like the only one that picked Ohio State. And I, was tell- I said, listen, Dabo ran his mouth, voted him 11th, and... They beat them last year. Clemson beat them in the semifinals last year in a in a game that I think Ohio State felt like they were the better team. Like Ohio State's going to be so locked in for this game that they're going to win. And and so all I know is the only bulletin board I remember my junior year we were playing Houston in a tournament in Hawaii, and Tom Penders was the coach of Houston. And the year before, I was a redshirt, but Houston was on the bubble and Creighton was on the bubble. And you know how coaches get interviewed about, hey, you know, what do you think about your bubble, to, you know, your chances, all this stuff. And the year before, Tom Penders said something to the effect of, you know, I see we're on the bubble. I see a, a team like Creighton is also in on the bubble, or Creighton's in the tournament. We're not. Creighton wouldn't get the ball across half court against us. That was his quote. And I'm t- you better believe when we drew, we played Valpo in the first round and we played Houston in the second round. Oh, you, Coach Altman, the second, he said, this, this guy thinks he can't, fellas, fellas, this guy thinks you guys can't get across half court. 
half court. And it was nonstop, nonstop, right before we took the floor, right before we took – like, I'm just telling – that stuff makes a difference. And this this is – this is a team – he voted these guys 11th. Like, I have never enjo- – I enjoyed every – like, I enjoyed that game so much, not because I'm a massive Ohio State fan, just because I – like, Dabo, you – like, Wow. You, especially like you said, you're a coach. I could see if your freshman running back popped off and said something stupid in a media session like that. But, like, you're the coach. Like, what were you thinking? Imagine if a player just came out and said, I think they're the 11th best team in the country. The coach would have said, "Are you? what are you doing you, saying that to called him into his office and said, hey, pay bud. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw your quote. What are you doing? Because you know, right. I, I've, I've done, you know, before before every season, I've done this with Creighton. I didn't do it this year because of COVID, but you take them through media training. We get up and Mitch comes up and I do a mock interview. And one of the things you try to tell him is like, no bulletin board material, always, you know, always be complimentary of your opponent, all that stuff. And so to your point, like Dabo committed the sin that I guarantee you he, all his players are taught not to do. And so, yeah, if I'm a, I'm, if I could, I wonder if there was some, I bet the players, cause you're confident. You're like, man, coaches look at what coach said about Ohio state, but I don't know. I mean, there could have been some players is like, man, why is he, what is coach? Why would he say that? And here's the deal. You get blown out like that to the 11th best team. That's a bad L. <laughs> <laughs> How are they a top 10 team at this point? I think, um, I think I saw, who was it? Like, even John Legend, I want to say, tweeted, like, <laughs> something to the event. You're like, dang, this is a really good, this is the, this is the 11th best team. This team's really good. I really, I really hope that Ryan Day puts Clemson at 11 in his final poll. Win or lose to Alabama. Do it. It would be, it's just incredible that that, that happened. And, and here's the other thing before we wrap up. The reason media and, and people like me latch on to those things and latched onto it all week, and they asked him and asked him and asked him, and even after the game, Dennis Dodd, first question, that question, 11th rank, Dabo, do you regret it? The reason they asked that is because, and they, and they latched onto it, is because that's what we understand. Right. Right? Those in the media who didn't play at a high level that's what we get. We're not going to ask the, well, they've been talking a lot about that backup left tackle right. or, or that two <laughs> that two gap scheme that you guys run. What did you think of that? No, no, no. The one thing we understand is from the neck up, human nature, storyline, XO stuff. Emotion. Yeah, we right. check out. Right, right, right. But a hundred percent of the media gets that. Yes, you said they're eleventh, and they get that motivation. They get that disrespect. And that's why, because we feel comfortable, right? Right. We feel comfortable in that lane. And so we will live there. And then you had players doing it too. And former players and analysts, because they get it, what it would be like on that end. And it just drove the week oh, and it carried Ohio state to, I mean, it was, it was awesome to see Justin Fields and everything. I mean, Nebraska's L looks pretty good. Um, Tell you what, <laughs> I even text, I text Barrett during the game. I said, Hey, did you? We'll always have that first drive of the of the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ohio State might have, 
Might have had the last laugh, but Nebraska got the first touchdown on the national champ, on, potential you know. national champion. It is real quick before we wrap it up, though. Just a, one quick final thought. On, it is amazing when you're sitting there watching Justin Fields just play out of his mind. Where you – and we've had these conversations about Joe Burrow a year ago, but it is amazing to think about the last two potential – because if Justin – I mean, who knows? I mean, I think Bama will win, but, I mean, shoot. Right. Like, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Flip you, a coin. Yeah. Flip a coin. You potentially have back-to-back seasons of transfer quarterbacks playing exceptionally well and leading their team to either a national championship or, at the very least, the national championship game. And it just makes you think about how important opportunity and circumstances really are and how sometimes greatness is just an opportunity away or greatness is just the right the right situation away. Because you sit there and you go, how did Georgia let this guy transfer? But, you, I mean, I don't know. Who's to say that Justin Fields would have been Justin Fields at Georgia? Just like you – I know for me, I go, how did, how did Ohio State choose not – Keep Burrow. How do they not start Burrow? Like, how? I don't know. Maybe Burrow's not Burrow in Columbus. Maybe he had to go to LSU to unlock the greatness that we've all seen. It's just a weird thought, you know, like on how many guys just need the right opportunity and right circumstance to to showcase just excellence. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Danny Woodhead, (laughs) right? I mean, mean, just the right situation where you go, how did that happen? And then it, and then it works out. And yes, going back to your Joe Burrow thing, it's like, yeah, I guess could have gone someplace else, Nebraska, all this rewrite history, but where's that player today? If that, if that went down like that and, and that just goes to show you, and that's why you'll never, I'll never fault players wanting a better opportunity because they see what happens when you get the right opportunity. They may never find it. And it might look like, hey, I'm just quitting on my team and doing this, doing that, and I'm transferring three different times. But you only get one go around at this thing. And, Schick, very few players can defy circumstance. Yeah. And yeah. it's one of the reasons. I still think, Michael, we don't have to get into it. Like, hey, what do you, Jordan or LeBron, 9516820, what do you think? I, it, one of the reasons, I still think Jordan's the best, but, like, to me, one of the reasons, I, one of the big feathers in LeBron's cap is I'm not so sure he isn't the ultimate player in basketball history where the circumstance doesn't matter with LeBron James. It doesn't matter who he's with, where he's at, who's coaching him, how old he is, whatever team he's on is going to the finals, period. And you just, that's impressive. And so, yeah, like I think some people look at a guy like Justin Fields and think Justin Fields could be Justin Fields anywhere where I don't think so. You know, like I don't I don't think that's the case. Just like Joe Burrow. I don't think Joe Burrow could be Joe Burrow anywhere. That's not to take away from Joe Burrow. It's just the nature of, of the game. Nick Baugh tries to bring every conversation back to basketball. <laughs> Matt Schick tries to bring every conversation back to Doritos. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm supposed to stop it before that. No, it's true. I remember Justin Fields watching him. First of all, I remember sitting with him at the Under Armour All-America Week on the set before he committed to Georgia. 
It was me, Craig Hobbert, him, and he was also using baseball as leverage. He's a good baseball player. Maybe he'll go play pro baseball. We'll see. Um, and then he eventually goes with Georgia, and you think, okay, this is a can't miss. This guy's a stud. Uh, and then, yeah, all they're using him is, you know, kind of third down situations, some gadgets, some fake punts. Like, okay, you don't know what you're doing with this guy. You don't know. You're taking this Lamborghini off-roading here. Right, right. Like, this is not working. And then he goes to a place that knows how to take care of cars like this. Yes. Right? It's like, right. come come to us. We'll, we'll take care of you. We'll change your oil. We'll make sure that we're running, you know, right, not running too hot, but right. get you right there cruising at 90, and we'll, we'll feel really good. And that's exactly what they've done at Ohio State, and that's why they'll continue to do it. Um, I guess uh, we'll record next week and, and do a national championship yeah, pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot, lot can change. The sure. whole thing could be postponed. We'll see. But um, that's it. Oh, I'll, I'll leave you with this. We always like to leave with uh, an email or two, and we'll make a habit of doing it. Nick emails in. He says, uh, emails in at laughatchickennick.com. Headline, now affecting bedtime Bible stories. He says, uh, we've heard how the podcast is affecting Husker football broadcasts, Christmas songs, and even overseas honeymoons. Thought you'd like to know that it's also crept into the bedtime Bible story realm as well. I attached a text convo. Uh, with a coworker, and so he he sends this text message to his friend. It's a Bible story. It's the kids' Bible. We have this one too, and it's about uh, Jonah and uh, the whale. And the the story on this page goes: After three days, the fish spat uh, Jonah uh, up onto a sandy beach. Uh, just then, Jonah heard someone calling his name. Go to Nineveh, God said. And this time, Jonah said, "Yes, yes." He went straight to Nineveh, okay? So he's got the yes part of it. So this is the exchange with him and his friend. Reading my daughters tonight, and the yes I have to read uh, can only be heard in my head as Matt Davison. I have a problem. His friend says, ha huge call on Jonah's part, huge call. <laughs> and the guy responds, and Jonah's going to make it to Nineveh. <laughs> Other guy responds, LOL, now I'm trying to think of a blip of biblical sponsors. We have the same problem. <laughs> this biblical guy goes, <laughs> the original guy goes, this toss of Jonah overboard brought to you by the Israel Shepherds Board, the leader in herding sheep since 1272 BC. <laughs> His buddy responds with the final text. His trip to Nineveh brought to you by the Israelites, buck naked manna from heaven. Manna so good you don't need butter. <laughs> You're listening. To big man upstairs. <laughs> well done, well done. Uh, so we'll we'll leave it there. And then finally, uh, an email here from Sam. Uh, Sam says, uh, "This is a normal occurrence at our household. It's a video. We'll play the audio. It's him yelling at his kids. How dare you? And I think there are three boys in this video. And here's what they do. How dare you?" There it oh is. Oh, my God. That's terrific. Uh, thank you, boys. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you next week. This podcast is over. I'm not happy about that. Sick and Nick. Yes. Sick and Nick. Yes. Sick and Nick show. Yes. Here we go. Yes!
Wood Fox lost the ball. Shot on the way. Is oh! Oh! It's good. Calm down. 